Good evening. I'm back in bed. I'm back podcasting. How are you all? I hope you're okay. I'm so sorry I haven't been podcasting. It's been a while. And several of you, several of you have reminded me recently that I have stopped podcasting and doing IGTV. So I thought I'd start this podcast episode with a little catch up. Um, so, oh gosh, where to start? Um, so, and this isn't a list of excuses, I promise. I'm trying to convince myself, obviously. Uh, it's not a list of excuses. It's just, I wanted to explain why I've kind of been a bit quiet, a bit quiet on social media, a bit quiet on the old podcasting and IGTV. So, uh, first of all, I started with a bit of social media experiment that I've actually continued. Um, my lovely friend, Caitlin, who is the founder of the Bearcat Running Club and one of my lovely Digme spinning friends, she set a challenge um, that was actually, we're, we're still in the, the last bit of, but she set a challenge of 30 days of widths and withouts. So you had to add something to your life every day for 30 days and you had to take something out. And <clears throat> the thing that I took out was social media scrolling, basically. And I'd started the the whole look at social media before that. So it made sense to add that into or keep that in my 30 day challenge. Because I realized what I was doing was instead of getting stuff done, I was just spending hours on social media uh, from posting Instagram stories to actually sometimes watching other people's Instagram stories and just disappearing down this, this rabbit warren of looking at stuff, particularly in the morning. I'd get up in the morning and make myself a cup of coffee. And whilst that kicked in, I would spend a big chunk of time just going from Instagram to Facebook, maybe a bit of Twitter, just looking at stuff that wasn't really, I guess, wasn't really benefiting me. I mean, it's nice to see what friends are up to, but it really got me thinking. And it got me thinking that actually that's not real life. Like looking at other people's stuff isn't really a true representation of what's going on in their life. And I realized that I was doing kind of the same thing. I've always tried to keep it very real on social media. Um, but I definitely cherry picked stuff to post um, or stuff that I thought other people would find interesting. And so I decided basically to just take all the apps off my phone. And my screen time on my mobile went from pretty much three hours to under an hour. Um, I, I measured it by just really looking at my social media usage more than anything else. Um, and I also blocked news sites from my phone because in the absence of social media, what I would then do is go, oh, I'm going to go and distract myself by reading the online newspaper. And an hour later, I, I was still looking at it. So I got rid of that as well. Uh, so gained some more time there. And actually what I realized was by taking the apps off my phone, I was less anxious. So in my 30-day challenge that Caitlin sent, I ramped that up a bit more where I stopped posting stuff. Um, I recently went back onto Facebook just to post some funny stuff that I'd saved um, because I kind of think I'm known on Facebook for injecting humor into other people's lives. So I thought I would just go and inject a bit of humor. Again, that's probably a bit of a vanity post because I like making people laugh. But anyway, it's what it is. Um, one of the things that I really recommend you do, if you are interested in the impact that your phone's having on you, is to look at uh, the work of Cal Newport. He is fascinating. Fascinating man. He's written several books. I'll put the link to my his latest book. It's my favorite book. It's a book about digital minimalism. And it's a life changer for me. It's just such a good book. But he has a very good TED Talk, which I'll put the link. Maybe I'll put the link to both the book and the TED Talk um, in the show notes. 
And his TED Talk is fascinating because he has never had a social media account. And lots of people talk about the effect of smartphones, the effect of social media. And it's just so good to read a book by someone who's never had it. So he's he's never experienced it. And yeah, the book's fascinating. So highly recommend you read that one. So, oh, my chair's really squeaky. My lovely wife bought me a new chair and it's gorgeous. It's really comfortable, but I I apologize. It keeps squeaking and it probably sounds like a little bit of a fart. So I apologize for that. Um, So that's my social media experiment. Then what else have I been up to? I went into a very busy summer period at work. For those of you who don't know me, I own an ice cream and chocolate company and kind of linked to an IGTV episode I did, um, I ended up having to get rid of a member of staff and making a lot of the ice cream myself. So I was doing that this summer, but that's all fine. But the big thing I did was I set myself a challenge at Digni Fitness of riding 100 ride classes in 100 days. And it, it really was the highlight of my year. I I stupidly did it in my busy period at work, which, yeah, may have been a bit of an error, but anyway, never mind. Um, I had such a blast. I'm not going to talk about it for ages, because if you don't like spinning or fitness or know anything about those kind of challenges, it's the most boring topic in the world. But essentially, I rode 100 classes in 100 days, raising money and awareness for the lovely, lovely James from Mr. Monkey Socks. Uh, I think they're just called Monkey Socks now. And James is a, a an MS patient. So the charity is raising funds to go to MS charities. And he's got a lovely product, which he produces sports socks. And they are different socks for your left and your right foot. Uh, you can read more about it on the monkeysocks.org website. Uh, suggest you go and have a look. It's a really gorgeous charity. But I did the rides for him. And they culminated in my 100th ride. We had a big party at the studio. Everyone came to ride with me. I dressed up as a monkey. Um, There was cake, always a winner. And it was just an amazing celebration of friendship and the feeling that I'd completed this fitness challenge. Yeah, I loved it really, really good. Highly recommend anyone to do a challenge like that because whether it's spinning or running or some sort of sport, some sort of, uh, some sort of challenge where you move every day or, you know, every other day is really good because you, not only are you doing something for charity or for a, for a purpose, but you feel so great doing it. I'm definitely fitter than when I started. Having said that, I finished that a couple of weeks ago, (coughs) excuse me, and I've done very little exercise since then. So yeah, I need to get back on it. So yeah, social media experiment, 100 rides in 100 days, crazy work. And then we, my wife and I had a lovely trip to Ibiza to see our friends, Antonia and Ken. So Antonia, I know you listen to my podcasts. Thank you for a wonderful, wonderful stay in your lovely home. We had a really lovely break. we swam, we, well, we, we mainly swam in the swimming pool because unfortunately there were lots of jellyfish in the sea, but we lay in the sun, we played cards, we laughed, um, we did a bit of yin yoga, we did lots of walks, and where Antonio and Ken live in Ibiza, the sunsets are absolutely breathtaking, so I have lots of fond memories of my trip. And apart from that, what I've also been doing is when I was in Ibiza, Antonio recommended this thing called Fit App. So it's a bit like spelt like HIT as in high intensity interval training, but it's with an F for Freddie. So it's the Fit App. And Antonio showed it to me because one of the things I really struggle with in the winter is feeling very, very cold. So I struggle with my joints and just downloading this Fit app, there's lots of different classes from yoga to strength classes to cardio classes. Um, But there's a particular area of interest on there for me, which I love, and it's breath work. 
And there's a wonderful breathwork instructor on there who, yeah, I just love his stuff. I love his work. And learning to breathe in a different way is stunning. It's actually quite a hard workout. It's Most of his classes are 25 minutes. And you really have to focus on learning these new breath techniques. And I'm really interested in breath work. I started being interested in breath work quite a few years ago with someone I met who had a company called The Breathing Tree. And she introduced me to the concept. And I've been fascinated in it ever since. And I've been practicing things like 478 breathing. Um, I've been practicing some of Wim Hof's breathing techniques, which are quite extreme. Um, and I've been reading a lot and learning a lot from someone called Max Strom. And again, I'm going to put the links to all of this in the notes so you don't have to leave this podcast and go and search for it. And Max has got a really wonderful approach to breathing and yoga. He, yeah, he's just, it actually gives me goosebumps talking about him. I'm going to put a link to his TED Talk because he's a beautiful speaker. And his his knowledge and his enthusiasm that about the subject of breathing and yoga is just wonderful. And I love the fact that he approaches yoga from a very non-secular, uh, there's no religion, there's no spirituality involved. He's just does his yoga because he wants people to feel better. And there's no showing off. There's no weird poses. There's no, he doesn't believe in pushing yourself into postures that you can't do. He believes that we should learn about our body as we go along. And the breathing also goes hand in hand with that. So yeah, breath work is my particular area of interest at the moment. Um, and I was reminded of it when Antonia, Chiara, Ken and I were doing this yin yoga class and I realized that I would get myself into a difficult posture. And knowing as much as I know about breathing, I caught myself holding my breath when it got tough. So, yeah, it was just the reminder I needed to throw myself back into research about breathing, I guess. And I've discovered lots of wonderful things that I want to share with you. So that's enough. Enough. Got a sudden lisp. Enough wittering on about what I've been up to. And let's get into the topic of today's conversation, which is imposter syndrome. Oh gosh, I nearly forgot. I Before we talk about imposter syndrome, one more thing, because it really, really made me laugh this. So this evening, before I had dinner and before I sat down to do this podcast episode, I was doing one of the breathing 25-minute episodes. Bear in mind, you're supposed to kind of shut out the world and, and concentrate on what you're doing and be very much in the moment. And I'd fed our dogs, Charlie and Chester, uh, fed them. I thought, I'm going to feed them before I do this thing. And then they'll just relax. They won't come and bug me for food. So I fed them. They went out in the garden, did their business, came back, chilled out. And the moment that I rolled out my mat, I even sat cross-legged, you know, all comfortable, ready to do this thing, get into the first couple of minutes. And all of a sudden, they want my attention. And it's just really funny because I was sitting there upright and being all sort of zen and breathing in and out through my nose. And I had one dog standing in the doorway, woofing at me like huffy woofs because he wanted attention. And the other one throwing himself down onto the yoga mat on his back with his legs in the air because he wanted me to scratch under his armpits. And this went on for about 15 minutes out of the 25 minutes where I kept going, oh, yes, you know, you're lovely. Now just let me breathe and carry on. And it, both of them just persisted. Then the class ended. I rolled up my mat and no exaggeration. I rolled up my mat and they both jumped onto the sofa, curled up into a ball and went to sleep. You couldn't make it up. And so I looked at them and I said, well, you know, cheers, you two. And Charlie opened his eye as I walked towards him, as if to say, don't even touch me. So they made me laugh, but at the same time, it made me realize just people call cats fickle. Well, our dogs are fickle. They want all the attention. And then because you're doing something else, 
And then the moment you stop, they curl up into a ball and go to sleep. So there's a moral in there to that story. Not sure what it is yet. Um, If anyone could tell me, please message me because, yeah, it did make me laugh though. So the subject of today's episode is imposter syndrome. And I had this really itchy feeling that I needed to cover this topic today. And it's because I've seen many examples of it with my friends over the last month or so. And every time I see it, I'm desperate to say something to them. And yet it's very difficult to tackle the subject of imposter syndrome or or even ask someone if that's what they're suffering from, because it it it, it immediately feels like you think that there's something wrong with them, which in fact there isn't. But I'm going to find a, a term for it some, at some point that sounds less aggressive than imposter syndrome, um, because it sounds like something really scary, and it's not. But in order to bring it up with someone, to mention those words makes it feel like there's something wrong with them. But I've seen it so often in the last month. Um, And I don't really want to mention any names because it's not fair, but I've encountered quite a few examples of it. So I'll be quite general. Um, I've had someone say that, and someone I know that's a very, very good yogi, say that they don't really want to teach yoga because they don't like the sound of their voice. Um, I've complimented a podcaster on the strength of their podcast and, you know, saying how amazing it is. And I could see in their eyes that they don't really think they're good enough. Um, I've seen people in musical theatre world who get a job or go, or go on stage for a role and still feel like they're faking it, that they're not quite good enough. Um, oh gosh, what other examples have I had? Oh, I I can't think of any right now, but uh, loads of them. And it's a topic that I believe many people suffer with to varying degrees. I used to suffer with it really, really badly and I've got much, much better with it. It doesn't come up in the same way that it used to and it comes up much more infrequently. Oh, yeah. The other person I spoke to today, and she will be listening to this podcast. She's an old coaching client of mine and a friend. I think sometimes really does struggle with imposter syndrome. And if you're listening to this, we've done some work today and you really don't need to. So this episode is actually dedicated to you. Again, I'm not going to mention your name, but yeah, you'll be listening and this episode is for you. And before I explain exactly what imposter syndrome imposter syndrome is, I want to say that most people don't understand the mountain of worth that they're sitting on. And whenever I see someone showing signs of imposter syndrome and I'm desperate to help them, one of the things if I do help them, I say to them is, you don't understand how much value you have. Everyone who appreciates what you do understands it, but you don't understand it. And and if I'm coaching someone, that is the bit that we work on. Because if someone's in the grips of it, it's really, really difficult to move forward. So the subject of today's episode is imposter syndrome. And I had this really itchy feeling that I needed to cover this topic today. And it's because I've seen many examples of it with my friends over the last month or so. And every time I see it, I'm desperate to say something to them. And yet it's very difficult to tackle the subject of imposter syndrome or or even ask someone if that's what they're suffering from because it, 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 it immediately feels like you think that there's something wrong with them, which in fact there isn't. But I'm going to find a a term for it at some point that sounds less aggressive than imposter syndrome. 
um, because it sounds like something really scary, and it's not. But in order to bring it up with someone, to mention those words makes it feel like there's something wrong with them. But I've seen it so often in the last month. Um, and I don't really want to mention any names because it's not fair, but I've encountered quite a few examples of it. So I'll be quite general. Um, I've had someone say that, and someone I know that's a very, very good yogi, say that they don't really want to teach yoga because they don't like the sound of their voice. Um, I've complimented a podcaster on the strength of their podcast and, you know, saying how amazing it is. And I could see in their eyes that they don't really think they're good enough. Um, I've seen people in musical theatre world who get a job or go, or go on stage for a role and still feel like they're faking it, that they're not quite good enough. Um, oh gosh, what other examples have I had? Oh, I, I can't think of any right now, but uh, loads of them. And it's a topic that I, I believe many people suffer with to varying degrees. I used to suffer with it really, really badly, and I've got much, much better with it. It doesn't come up in the same way that it used to, and it comes up much more infrequently. Oh, yeah. The other person I spoke to today, and she will be listening to this podcast, she's a, an old coaching client of mine and a friend, I think sometimes really does struggle with imposter syndrome. And if you're listening to this, we've done some work today and you really don't need to. So this episode is actually dedicated to you. And again, I'm not going to mention your name, but yeah, you'll be listening and this episode is for you. And before I explain exactly what imposter syndrome imposter syndrome is, I want to say that most people don't understand the mountain of worth that they're sitting on. And whenever I see someone showing signs of imposter syndrome, and I'm desperate to help them, one of the things if I do help them, I say to them is, you don't understand how much value you have. Everyone who appreciates what you do understands it, but you don't understand it. And, and if I'm coaching someone, that is the bit that we work on. Because if someone's in the grips of it, it's really, really difficult to move forward. And the first thing I want to say about this before we go on is you will always find someone in your industry who you perceive to be more successful than you. Always. In my case, let's look, right, okay, let's look at podcasting. So in my case, I'm dipping the, my toe in the podcasting world. And there are thousands of better podcasters than me. Thousands. I still, I mean, I'm, I'm honest with you now. This is no imposter syndrome. I, I genuinely am learning as I go. So I don't feel like I'm going to be found out as a fraud because quite blatantly, I am winging it as I go along. I'm not winging what I talk about. I'm winging what I know about podcasting. I don't. I still don't understand how to market my podcast. Uh, lots of people have said you need a dedicated website just for your podcast. Um, I don't really promote it enough, but that's okay. You know, right now I'm feeling my way through it. I'm learning lots. I've got very basic equipment. Uh, I don't even edit it, so I record it in sections and then I just upload it. I stitch it together and upload it. I don't edit it. Um, yeah. Um, and I want to interview more people. I've got some people lined up for interviews. I've interviewed one person, the wonderful Joe Beale, and I haven't interviewed anyone since. And again, that is something that I want to do. And I will definitely work out a way of doing it that doesn't involve someone having to climb to the top of their building because they haven't got enough phone signal to do the interview. But I, I'm under no illusion that I know everything about podcasting. And yet, because I've overcome 
imposter syndrome. I'm able to start something and have a go at it because I'm not paralyzed by the fear that I don't know enough or I'm not as good as everyone podcasting. Uh, So I guess the first thing I'm going to say on this subject is you need to get out of your own way. And, And remember this, that experts in your industry often have exactly the same fears as you. Whether you're a podcaster, whether you're a trader in the city, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a fitness presenter, a yoga instructor, a singer, an actress, an artist, um, a nurse, a childminder, a teacher, you know, I could go on. You are unique and you have your own unique set of skills. And on top of that, your peers, your superiors will often have exactly the same fears as you. Sorry, I just had to pause for a second because it's absolutely chucking it down with rain outside. And as some of you know, I have this horrible fear of thunder and lightning. And uh, on the BBC weather app, it's just shown a lightning bolt sign on the weather for the next hour. So I'm going to try and remain calm, all my listeners. Try and remain calm. And, you know, if thunder and lightning strikes, I shall carry on talking. Um. So what effects does imposter syndrome have on us? I think one of the things that used... So when I was dealing with it 10, 15 years ago, the the biggest effect it had on me was paralysis. So I would want to try something. um, I was interested in, in public speaking back then, and I wouldn't do it. So I was paralyzed because I thought I didn't have all the answers. I didn't think I was a, the number one expert in my field. And therefore, people would go, well, who is she? And what does she know anyway? And just basically call me out. So para- paralysis is is the number one effect I believe, that, believe it has on us. And I want you to take a moment and just think about whether you do, in fact, have imposter syndrome or not, or whether you know someone that does or not. And I want you to think about moments in your life where it fear has stopped you taking action on starting something or where you have had fear that you've actually started something and you've stopped it because you believe you don't have the right credentials, you don't have enough knowledge, you don't have enough letters after your name. And by the way, I'm not talking about bullshit snake oil salesman. You know, I, I, I don't agree with people selling phony shit solutions to something that aren't real. So let's just, I'm just going to put that caveat in there. Um, But yeah, I want you to think about when fear takes a hold and stops you actually going for something. Because if you think about it logically, businesses fail, startups fail, um, traders in the city might make you know, several big deals, but they'll lose a hell of a lot of money in the process. No one gets everything right all the time. People fail, things fail. And if you look at the wonderful, and I know there's been a bit of controversy around it, but I refuse to listen to any of it, Eliud Kipchoge, who broke the two-hour marathon mark this weekend, breathtaking. It made me cry. I had goosebumps. He's tried it before. He's tried it before and he hasn't succeeded. But when you saw him run, when you saw that focus, that determination in his eyes, I had no doubt he was going to do it. No doubt at all. And he's failed in previous attempts. Um, People have failed in and and then become very successful in athletics. Um, I was watching gymnastics when... um, there were, oh God, sorry, I've got one ear listening out for thunder and lightning and one ear concentrating on my podcast. Sorry, I just had a little mini flash in the sky. It's all good. Keeping it real on this podcast, scared of thunder and lightning, going to keep going. Simone Biles at the gymnastics, incredible, incredible, uh, slightly heartbreaking upbringing. She's, um, she's actually 
her her parents on now her grandparents. They brought her up. They brought her um, up in her childhood years. Wonderful grandparents. She fights so hard to improve herself. And I bet you at times, certainly in her formative gymnastic years, she experienced this problem with imposter syndrome. But when you watch her now, and it's not even arrogance or narcissism, when you watch her now, she's in charge of her shit. She's not going to let anyone call her out. And even if she fails, she'll get back up the next day and she'll do it. She's not paralyzed by fear of not being good enough. And so what is the solution? How do we get over imposter syndrome? I've got loads of suggestions for you, and this is turning into quite a long podcast. Apologies. If you're on a commute to work and you're running out of time, don't worry, you can always listen to the rest of it later. Um, I think the first thing to say is that you don't need to have all the answers and you don't need to constantly strive to be the number one expert in your industry. So try this instead. And this comes from an entrepreneur called Glenn Carlson, really lovely guy. He suggests choosing to become an enthusiast, an explorer, and a guide instead. So let me just repeat that. Choose to become, in your topic or your industry, choose to become an enthusiast, an explorer, and a guide instead. So let me just explain. The reason those words resonate with me and that advice resonates with me is that years ago when I was doing public speaking, I was trying to become an expert in my field, but there were people with way more qualifications than me, um, people who'd basically got into this game early, set themselves up as the expert in the field. And I felt this pressure that I wasn't quite good enough to stand on the stage, even though I'd been invited to stand on the stage and talk. Somehow deep down, I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel good enough about it. And then I changed my mindset. And it's funny because Glenn posted this today and I'd already written his words in my diary as a reminder. Let's say, for example, instead of trying to become a number, let's take someone who's, I don't know, a skincare specialist. Instead of trying to become the number one expert, start thinking instead of expert, start using the word guide. And you can apply this to fitness presenter, yoga teacher, uh, school teacher, artists, many, many, many industries. So start by becoming an enthusiast. So live and breathe the topic and the area of expertise that you want to be in. Just immerse yourself in it. Start, instead of comparing yourself to others, Start listening to others and what they offer, their their style of presenting or their style of teaching, their style of dealing with clients. Start noticing all the nuances that they have so you're an enthusiast. Start exploring different ways in which you can help people. So let me say that again because this is an important one. Start exploring the different ways you can help people. So let's say, for example, you're a spinning instructor and you don't feel like you're one of the top spinning instructors in in the UK or the world or America, wherever you are. Start looking at your unique offering that you can give to your class and everyone has a unique offering and really explore it. Explore the use of your voice, explore the music you use in class, Explore the way you interact with your clients before and after class. Explore the way you use social media to connect with potential clients. Um, Gosh, explore explore the message you want to give to your class on that particular day. Explore everything about being a spinning instructor. And the last thing is to become a guide. And there's a very big difference between an expert and a guide. So I believe that an expert kind of preaches at people and a guide takes someone by the hand and says, let's explore this together. 
And so the reason I use the word guide is in my coaching now, I don't know all the answers. I know some, but I don't know all the answers. And if I'm with a client and they've got a particular problem that comes up in a session and I don't know the answer to it, I will say, I don't know the answer to this and it's not my area of expertise, but let me go away after our session and do a bit of investigation into it. And then let's look at it together. And that has changed the way I coach people. Because even the greatest expert in the world, if you're preaching at someone, it's not often going to go in. If you guide, if you become a guide on something, you become a guide on a topic, you bring other experts in your industry to help in the process, you have far more, far, I was going to say more impact, but it's more than that. You get into a better rapport with the person you're coaching or with your client or with your student in class or whichever industry you're in. So just going to let that sit for a second. And so now I want to go into the the final section of some really, really useful ways to overcome imposter syndrome. And I would love you to take one and really practice it. I know I'm talking into a microphone from my bed You can't actually answer me back, but I want you to say out loud, even if you're on the train or you're in company, I'm going to try this just to satisfy me. Um, Yeah, I want to tell you some ways to overcome imposter syndrome. And some of them um, I have taken from advice on a website. So, and my next suggestion, again, you're listening to this, whatever industry you're in, whatever job you're in, whatever role you play, this applies to everyone. One of, um, it's not one of my coaches, someone I met through someone that was coaching me once offered me a really lovely suggestion. And that is to keep a jar filled with pieces of paper of all the lovely things people say about you. And it's particularly, uh, It's particularly important in the entrepreneurial coaching space or teaching space. Uh, If you're a school teacher, it could be you keep nice cards kids have written to you at the end of term. Uh, If you are, let's say, a yoga teacher with an online presence, people write lovely things about you on social media, write them down on a piece of paper, put those in the jam jar. Um, If you're a, a performer on stage, write down lovely things that critics say about you or audience members. If you're a nurse, you could write down lovely things that patients have written in thank you cards. There's so many, so many ways to capture them. But what's a lovely exercise to do is, and this is one of the strategies I use with people to get them out of imposter syndrome straight away. So to practice this when they're not in a coaching session with me, is to keep that jam jar and every time imposter syndrome rears its ugly head, you take one of the pieces of paper out and you read it. Because collecting your your wins, collecting testimonials, thank you cards, things like that, reminds you that you give value to others. So we've just talked about value and this is your reminder that you've got enormous value to offer people. And sometimes you internalize your own feelings and forget how much you've helped others. So keep a jam jar, keep the pieces of paper in them and just take one out when you need it. Um, The next one is to stop comparing yourself to that person. And it's interesting, in the last month, most of the people that I've identified could be potentially going through this problem, often name the same person as a comparison to them in whatever industry they're in. Um, And you know how I feel about social media by now. It's a comparison, social media is a comparison trap that we fall into that stacks up someone else's augmented rose-tinted reality against ours. 
And the problem with comparing yourself is that unless you've got that jam jar of praise, you don't have any proof that you have something to offer that's the same as or better than or worse than someone else. What you do is you jump into social media and you start pegging yourself against other people in your industry. It's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. Use the other people in your industry. Remember I said enthusiastic, exploring, yeah? Guide. Use other people in your industry as a timely or time-specific challenge to set yourself for five minutes. I'm going to go and find people in my industry on social media, and I'm going to learn from them. Use it for that. Please, please stop comparing yourself to someone else on social media. Turn Facebook off. Delete Instagram from your phone. Stop reading biographies of successful people. And learn to really respect your own experience. You're not a fraud. You're just you. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, I did this with a client recently. It's a little exercise. And we can, I suggest everyone listening to this does this after you get off the podcast. Um, I invite you to try a stream of conscious writing for 30 minutes. So you have two choices. Um, there's a there's a normal version and there's an on steroids version. <laughs> so the normal version is basically to write for 30 minutes about anything nonstop. You're not allowed to put your pen down. So you set a timer, you pick up your pen, you get a notebook and you just start writing until the timer goes off at 30 minutes. If you can't think of anything to write, you literally start on the page with, I can't think of anything to write. You'll start writing. It might be absolute bullshit, but it doesn't matter. No one's going to see it. It's just an exercise that puts you constantly in touch with what's going on inside of you. It makes that connection with the stuff you've got inside and the stuff that you want to address and get out. If you want to do this exercise on steroids, I want you to spend 30 minutes writing the most insane things about yourself. So remember, you're never going to show anyone. You can write your most ridiculous beliefs, your most terrible thoughts, how big a fraud you are. Um, you can go to town for 30 minutes. Seeing all those things on paper doesn't actually get rid of them, so it doesn't make them disappear. But writing them down puts them into some sort of, it, it puts them into a more sane perspective. And often when I get clients to do this and they read it back to themselves, they laugh because some of them become so ridiculous. I'll give you an example. I coached someone who was a yoga instructor and one of the things she shared with me about what she wrote in that 30 minutes. And I said to her, you don't have to tell me, but she wanted to tell me, was that she didn't think she was as good as blah, whatever her name was, I know some Australian yoga teacher, because her hair didn't look as good in a ponytail. Yeah. Now, I'm not belittling her thoughts, but we both had a really big laugh about it. Because... When you write it down and read it back, it's insane, isn't it? And yet, at the time, that makes her feel more fraudulent on social media. It makes her feel more fraudulent in her job because she doesn't have thick, gorgeous, flowing, I don't know, mermaid zen hair, whatever you want to call it. So... Try that exercise, 30 minutes, either write about nothing or steroid it up and write about the most insane things to do with your imposter syndrome. And my next suggestion, again, what you're listening to this, whatever industry you're in, whatever job you're in, whatever role you play, this applies to everyone. One of... Um, 
it's not one of my coaches, someone I met through someone that was coaching me once offered me a really lovely suggestion. And that is to keep a jar filled with pieces of paper of all the lovely things people say about you. And it's particularly, uh, it's particularly important in the entrepreneurial coaching space or teaching space. Uh, if you're a school teacher, it could be you keep nice cards kids have written to you at the end of term. Uh, if you are, let's say, a yoga teacher with an online presence, people write lovely things about you on social me media, write them down on a piece of paper, put those in the jam jar. Um, if you're a, a performer on stage, write down lovely things that critics say about you or audience members. If you're a nurse, you could write down lovely things that patients have written in thank you cards. There's so many, so many ways to capture them. But what's a lovely exercise to do is, and this is one of the strategies I use with people to get them out of imposter syndrome straight away. To, so to practice this when they're not in a coaching session with me is to keep that jam jar. And every time imposter syndrome rears its ugly head, you take one of the pieces of paper out and you read it. Because collecting your, your wins, collecting testimonials, thank you cards, things like that, reminds you that you give value to others. So we've just talked about value. And this is your reminder that you've got enormous value to offer people. And sometimes you internalize your own feelings and forget how much you've helped others. So keep a jam jar keep the pieces of paper in them and just take one out when you need it. Um, the next one is to stop comparing yourself to that person. And it's interesting, in the last month, most of the people that I've identified could be potentially going through this problem often name the same person as a comparison to them in whatever industry they're in. Um, and you know how I feel about social media by now. It's a comparison, social media is a comparison trap that we fall into that stacks up someone else's augmented rose-tinted reality against ours. And the problem with comparing yourself is that unless you've got that jam jar of praise, you don't have any proof that you have something to offer that's the same as or better than or worse than someone else. What you do is you jump into social media and you start pegging yourself against other people in your industry. It's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. You use the other people in your industry. Remember I said enthusiastic, exploring, yeah, guide. Use other people in your industry as a timely or time-specific challenge to set yourself for five minutes. I'm going to go and find people in my industry on social media, and I'm going to learn from them. Use it for that. Please, please stop comparing yourself to someone else on social media. Turn Facebook off. Delete Instagram from your phone. Stop reading biographies of successful people. And learn to really respect your own experience. You're not a fraud. You're just you. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, I did this with a client recently. It's a little exercise. And we can, I suggest everyone listening to this does this after you get off the podcast. Um, I invite you to try a stream of conscious writing for 30 minutes. So you have two choices. Um, there's a there's a normal version and there's an on steroids version. <laughs> so the normal version is basically to write for 30 minutes about anything nonstop. You're not allowed to put your pen down. So you set a timer, you pick up your pen, you get a notebook and you just start writing until the timer goes off at 30 minutes. If you can't think of anything to write, you literally start on the page with, I can't think of anything to write. 
you'll start writing. It might be absolute bullshit, but it doesn't matter. No one's going to see it. It's just an exercise that puts you constantly in touch with what's going on inside of you. It makes that connection with the stuff you've got inside and the stuff that you want to address and get out. If you want to do this exercise on steroids, I want you to spend 30 minutes writing the most insane things about yourself. So remember, you're never going to show anyone. You can write your most ridiculous beliefs, your most terrible thoughts, how big a fraud you are. Um, You can go to town for 30 minutes. Seeing all those things on paper doesn't actually get rid of them, so it doesn't make them disappear. But writing them down puts them into some sort of, it, it puts them into a more sane perspective. And often when I get clients to do this and they read it back to themselves, they laugh because some of them become so ridiculous. I'll give you an example. I coached someone who was a yoga instructor and one of the things she shared with me about what she wrote in that 30 minutes, and I said to her, you don't have to tell me, but she wanted to tell me, was that she didn't think she was as good as blah, whatever her name was, I know, some Australian yoga teacher, because her hair didn't look as good in a ponytail. Yeah. Now, I'm not belittling her thoughts, but we both had a really big laugh about it. Because when you write it down and read it back, it's insane, isn't it? And yet, at the time, that makes her feel more fraudulent on social media. It makes her feel more fraudulent in her job because she doesn't have thick, gorgeous, flowing, I don't know, mermaid zen hair, whatever you want to call it. So. Try that exercise, 30 minutes, either write about nothing or steroid it up and write about the most insane things to do with your imposter syndrome. And my next suggestion, again, what you're listening to this, whatever industry you're in, whatever job you're in, whatever role you play, this applies to everyone. One of... Um, it's not one of my coaches, someone I met through someone that was coaching me once offered me a really lovely suggestion. And that is to keep a jar filled with pieces of paper of all the lovely things people say about you. And it's particularly, uh, it's particularly important in the entrepreneurial coaching space or teaching space Uh, If you're a school teacher, it could be you keep nice cards kids have written to you at the end of term. Uh, If you are, let's say, a yoga teacher with an online presence, people write lovely things about you on social media, write them down on a piece of paper, put those in the jam jar. Um, If you're a, a performer on stage, write down lovely things that critics say about you or audience members. If you're a nurse, You could write down lovely things that patients have written in, thank you cards. There's so many, so many ways to capture them. But what's a lovely exercise to do is, and this is one of the strategies I use with people to get them out of imposter syndrome straight away. So to practice this when they're not in a coaching session with me is to keep that jam jar. And every time imposter syndrome rears its ugly head, you take one of the pieces of paper out and you read it. Because collecting your your wins, collecting testimonials, thank you cards, things like that, reminds you that you give value to others. So we've just talked about value. And this is your reminder that you've got enormous value to offer people. And sometimes you internalize your own feelings and forget how much you've helped others. So keep a jam jar, keep the pieces of paper in them and just take one out when you need it. Um, The next one is to stop comparing yourself to that person. And it's interesting, in the last month, most of the people that 
I've identified could be potentially going through this problem often name the same person as a comparison to them in whatever industry they're in. Um, And you know how I feel about social media by now. It's a comparison. Social media is a comparison trap that we fall into that stacks up someone else's augmented rose-tinted reality against ours. And the problem with comparing yourself is that unless you've got that jam jar of praise, you don't have any proof that you have something to offer that's the same as or better than or worse than someone else. What you do is you jump into social media and you start pegging yourself against other people in your industry. It's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. Use the other people in your industry. Remember I said enthusiastic, exploring, yeah? Guide. Use other people in your industry as a timely or time-specific challenge to set yourself for five minutes. I'm going to go and find people in my industry on social media, and I'm going to learn from them. Use it for that. Please, please stop comparing yourself to someone else on social media. Turn Facebook off, delete Instagram from your phone, stop reading biographies of successful people, and learn to really respect your own experience. You're not a fraud, you're just you. Um, Oh, this is a good one. Uh, I did this with a client recently. It's a little exercise, and we can, I suggest everyone listening to this does this after you get off the podcast. I invite you to try a stream of conscious writing for 30 minutes. So you have two choices. Um, There's a a normal version and there's an on steroids version. (laughs) So the normal version is basically to write for 30 minutes about anything nonstop. You're not allowed to put your pen down. So you set a timer, you pick up your pen, you get a notebook and you just start writing until the timer goes off at 30 minutes. If you can't think of anything to write, you literally start on the page with, I can't think of anything to write. You'll start writing. It might be absolute bullshit, but it doesn't matter. No one's going to see it. It's just an exercise that puts you constantly in touch with what's going on inside of you. It makes that connection with the stuff you've got inside and the stuff that you want to address and get out. If you want to do this exercise on steroids, I want you to spend 30 minutes writing the most insane things about yourself. So remember, you're never going to show anyone. You can write your most ridiculous beliefs, your most terrible thoughts, how big a fraud you are, um, you can go to town for 30 minutes. Seeing all those things on paper doesn't actually get rid of them, so it doesn't make them disappear. But writing them down puts them into some sort of, it it puts them into a more sane perspective. And often when I get clients to do this and they read it back to themselves, they laugh because some of them become so ridiculous. I'll give you an example. I coached someone who was a yoga instructor, and one of the things she shared with me about what she wrote in that 30 minutes, and I said to her, you don't have to tell me, but she wanted to tell me, was that she didn't think she was as good as blah, whatever her name was, I know, some Australian yoga teacher, because her hair didn't look as good in a ponytail. Now, I'm not belittling her thoughts, but we both had a really big laugh about it. Because when you write it down and read it back, it's insane, isn't it? And yet, at the time, that makes her feel more fraudulent on social media. It makes her feel more fraudulent in her job because she doesn't have thick, gorgeous, flowing 
I don't know, mermaid zen hair, whatever you want to call it. So try that exercise, 30 minutes. Either write about nothing or steroid it up and write about the most insane things to do with your imposter syndrome. 